I'm Christy Giuseppe, author of the Lightbringer series from twoguystalkingstarwars.com, and you're listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Ready to conceive solutions to problems in an atmosphere free of political correctness? Find a new sense of purpose at wadesense.com. That's wadesense.com. And welcome, everyone, to Wade Sense, the podcast. Um, I'm your host, Wade B. Olson, the Sage of St. Louis. Across from me sits the inimitable, Mr. Irascible, Mr. Mike Wilkson. How are you doing this evening? I'm over here being assable. How are you? No, irascible. Oh, irascible. I don't yet know what that means, but I'll learn. I'm going to let you look it up. I will. (laughs) We have got an incredible show lined up. I want to take the time to offer my very heartfelt congratulations to my youngest daughter, Krista, her and her girlfriend, Bree, are getting engaged. Awesome. And, Congrats. Yeah, That's super. I'm very, very happy for her. Mike and I have made absolutely no bones about our conservative views and standpoints on things. And I will in one breath say that I believe in traditional values. But that being said, in America, we seem to have lost this ability to hold two views or two thoughts in our heads at the same time. And I don't have that problem. I love my daughter. I will gladly walk down the aisle and give her away to my new daughter-in-law, who I'm very proud of and is a very sweet, wonderful young girl. At the same time, I do uh, hold traditional values at the forefront. You can do both. You don't, they don't have to wipe each other out. And I would have thought that that wasn't that much of an issue, but shortly after, and I mean shortly, within minutes after me posting on Facebook my congratulations and a picture of Krista and her girlfriend Bree. I had an uh, instant message pop up saying that, okay, dude, this is where you and I part ways. And this is somebody who'd been a Facebook friend of mine for probably two, three years. And I couldn't get a response out of her as to what. I was just completely dumbfounded and shocked. I'm like, what? My daughter getting engaged? Is that what has your panties in a wad? What? And she wouldn't come back with anything until she finally just said, take real good care. And that was it. And it leads back to that, uh, what we just were talking about in the last episode when we were talking about manners and how, I believe it was Wisdom of the Ages where I read off a quote where the guy said that we just, we're losing the ability to, you don't even listen to each other anymore. It's like, not only am I not going to listen to you, I'm going to drown out and make sure nobody else can listen to you as well. This person never even gave me a chance. She just flat cut me off. And uh, I was disgusted. I was saddened. And, you know, well, whatever, you, you move on. But nonetheless, I'm very happy for my daughter, and I I wanted to make record of it. Good deal. I don't know if you saw it or not, Mike, about, uh, it was on December 12th, President Trump to sign executive order promoting opportunity zones in distressed towns. I didn't see it. Tell me about it. Basically what it was is that President Trump signed executive order Wednesday to create a new White House Council for promoting private investment in opportunity zones in more than 8,700 distressed communities across the U.S. aiming at to expand prosperity to neglected zip codes. The council to be chaired by Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson will help streamline applications for communities to qualify for the investments, the president said. Our goal is to ensure that America's great new prosperity is broadly shared by all of our citizens, Mr. Trump said at the White House. We're drawing investment in neglected and unserved communities of America so that all Americans, regardless of zip code, have access to the American dream. And I saw that story, and and honestly, it was one of the few times where I got chills down the back of my spine. And the reason being why is just a little less than a week before that, I had picked up a gentleman at um, a pool hall in North St. Louis. 
And it turned out that he wasn't a patron, he was actually the owner of said pool hall. So we started talking about business and how I said I was so happy that he was trying to do something for the community because his economic model was all about community. It's something I'd never heard of before. He wasn't offering alcohol or food at the time, it was just a pool hall. But what he was doing was people could come in and for $5, as long as they wanted, play pool. They weren't charging uh, individual hours on tables or anything like that. And I remember Thomas said, how are you making any money? He said, no, we do okay. He said, we're probably doing, you know, blank, blank amount a week. And I said, well, that sounds pretty good. But I had met people that he was involved with that at this particular instance were throwing roadblocks up for him. But it was just, it was the timing. Because I had met this guy. I'd had this idea clinking around in the back of my head, not real strongly. But I was always thought, it's like, how could you bring back these economic zones? And then I meet him and we start talking about it. And that's when the idea for this particular show came into my head. Mm -hmm. And then lo and behold, less than a week later, the president is signing an executive order talking about the exact same thing. Cool. So, yeah, I mean, talk about serendipity, uh, amazing, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But that brings me to what the meat topic is, how to build back up the economic sector in old urban America. And I have some ideas, and a lot of this was admittedly just me shooting from the hip, but they seem to hold some logic in how to go about doing it. And the first one I had was relaxing restrictions on uh, building and rehabbing buildings. I think that this is something that is probably stopping a lot of the rebuilding of the economic sector in these, in these impoverished areas of the country. I mean, I don't know about other cities, but I can tell you right now, I drive through a lot of these areas and a lot of these buildings. I don't know. I'm not a code inspector, but I think probably a lot of them are close to being condemned and should be torn down. Mm -hmm. But this is the existing structures that they have. So if they can build them back up. And I don't even know exactly how far you would have to relax restrictions to make this happen. I don't know. I wish at this point, I wish we could talk to a building inspector and see what he have to say. But honestly, that would probably be too dry for the program. Well, this is kind of where I think often you'd have somebody roll in some, some B-roll video of bridges collapsing. And, yeah. you know, like uh, the old Keystone Cops yeah. building falling in and three guys <laughs> pop out, that yeah. kind of thing. Right. So I, I, I'm not a fan of relaxing any restrictions, in particular in regard to building structures especially in regard to building structures where we know that people that are already economically disadvantaged are going to go in and couldn't possibly fix on their own. It doesn't mean that they can't do it. It just, the, the having that as an incentive, I think is a red flag because you, there are things you can cut, uh, cut corners on. And I think buildings in general, especially older ones right. that are being pulled out of an urban environment that probably have not had attention in years. Yeah. That's a rough call because as soon as one goes down or, uh, a series of bricks fall out and injure somebody or kill somebody. Right. Now, you know, how do you, it, that's, a, it's obviously a politician waiting to point at somebody or something. Right. And typically that's going to be the government where there's another payout waiting. Yeah. This reminds me back so. to the program that we did on um, how to help the homeless. It was the same thing mm. with, with the whole yeah, yeah. The not, not unlike that. that yeah. I had. Yeah. Now, now I like that there are incentives so that maybe, maybe companies that choose to go in and, yeah. and work in on these yes. are able to get in and maybe have some sort of tax incentive to jump in on areas like this. Mm -hmm. Those kind of things I think work, but relaxing the actual restrictions of say building codes and, and the way that the urban structuring needs to happen in regard to especially size. 
as much as we know you could probably fit 10 people in a room where you and I and maybe three other people are comfortable. Right. You could fit more in there. Well, right, but you can't. Right, no. Uh, a sample of, that I'll, I'll again bring up, I think it was in that same program, was a hospital room. You go, my God, look at the space here. There's only two people in this room. Right. When you and I both know that 30 people could probably stand in that same room. Right. That's but not the point, though. Is that, that, right. No. You, you can't because it's illegal because of restrictions in regard to population control inside of a space. You'd need a building inspector, you know, a code inspector to really say it for sure. But I think that probably, probably at least half of the buildings would not necessarily be what you'd consider unsafe. They're just old, you know, maybe a tad dilapidated. Some that fine line that I don't know where right. it exists. I think the I think you're using a little bit of too much elbow grease on the grandfather clause. <laughs> this building stood for 150 years. <laughs> right? That doesn't mean that it's awesome. <laughs> that means that it hasn't fallen down in 150 years. Well, no, I mean it would it would obviously it would it would be uh the the, the, the overall condition of the building. I mean it might be a beautiful building, but if it's on its last legs, then it's on its last legs. There's your first point. What's the next one, Wade? Organized neighborhood watches. Because I think so much of what goes on in these particular neighborhoods, why businesses left and won't come back in, is because there's just so much crime that the uh, their insurance is just through the roof. Right. Maybe if you had like a really uh, strong organized uh, neighborhood watch that was patrolling, mm-hmm. or you had extra... Uh, uh, how about the Guardian Angels? Huh? How about how about an advent of the Guardian Angels coming here to St. Louis to help out? Oh, I would love to see that happen again. I remember... That, I saw them once downtown. I remember... It was mm-hmm. it was six of the geekiest looking guys I ever saw walking around in white shirts and berets, and they 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 literally one time I saw them downtown. I never saw them again. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's other. I, I don't know if they examples. ever had foothold here, but the you know the gist is that somehow I see, I see where you're going. Yeah, somehow we have to get the urban the urban areas out of the snitches get stitches exactly mindset, and I, I can't even fathom how over how big a deal that is to overcome. I, I don't but it's know. big. It, it's it is huge. big, but it, with, with every single idea, you've got to start making steps towards it. Even if Agreed. they're baby steps, at least you're getting you'll, yes. you'll get momentum rolling. I see a program of cops going into schools, encouraging question and answer sessions with kids, uh, showing them real examples of dropping out of schools and pursuing a life of crime, and what ends up happening. Real statistics on it. Mm-hmm. So that I'd like to see a reverse scared straight, where you can go and get people that have gotten out or have been let out. Yeah. That can go back and talk to kids about really making sound decisions. There's a gentleman I'm about to work with. I'll use his first name. His first name is Ashley. Okay. Ashley uh, went to prison, and of course it was for nothing good, uh-huh. but he has left and is now making strides to do much, much better things, as well as trying to be a pillar of, of, of hope and ideas, and probably the most important that glommed me onto him is education. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you can take those three pillars, the fourth one then becomes the community itself, which allows you to then build structure, which is the whole goal. Um, anyway, the, the, I love that. I, I love that. And, and then rolling in people that have been there that are maybe even from that area that can help people understand that different decisions need to be made because the easy ones, the ones that look like they're they're going to get you what you want right now. Yeah. Well, let me tell you where they got me. Right. And exactly. I, I want the I want that perspective conveyed. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite favorite little code words that I love to use is the criminal astronaut. There's a new one I've done. Right. The and that's why I love using it because <laughs> criminals have been in an environment that you uh-huh. and I uh-huh. And the vast majority of people in America 
we never want to bother learning about. We, I, I know I have no interest at all in putting on the criminal astronaut spacesuit right. to go and experience awesome prison. Yeah. No thanks. I, I have no interest. And so being able to bring back those criminal astronauts to tell us more about the atmosphere that's inside a prison and mm-hmm. why you don't want to be there, mm-hmm. I'm a giant fan of that. Yeah, the, Those are the things that need to be told about as opposed to the... You know, I'm hard and the, the flash and the right. gang signs exactly. and all the other crap. That's the thing that's... The, 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 life is not playing a plastic five-gallon drum with sticks. It's just not. No, no. But that's the problem is that so many of these kids, the, the, the only thing that they know to emulate is, is, is what gangster they see. culture. Absolutely, right. You know, and, and, and finding, finding again, that's why I mentioned someone like Ashley. Yeah. Finding someone that has not only been there but realizes the folly that will envelope you. Every single time you don't do it right, it, 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 that needs to be shared. It absolutely needs to be shared. Yeah, I mean, I could even see uh, when you were talking about the footage earlier, I, I could even see cops coming in and showing kids footage of overhead high-speed pursuits and what ends up happening virtually every single time because you always hear about high, high-speed pursuits on uh, the radio or watch them on TV, and they all end Unfortunately, sadly, in disaster, either the kids get caught or the kids get killed. It's yeah. just, one of the you're most not Im- going to get away. Right. You need of, to learn that. Right. One of the most important things about high-speed t- chases that everybody needs to remember, you show me the one that you've watched on television or YouTube or wherever you're watching, mm-hmm. where they don't get caught. They That, that doesn't happen. It does not happen. <laughs> right. And you're not going to happen. And these kids need to understand that technology is so advanced at this point that between the cops being overhead and the cops being on the ground and everything being GPS, you're not getting away. What you're right. going to do is end up getting killed or going to prison. And I'll give you even a worse than getting killed or going to prison. Something worse? Sure. The furry missile. Okay. Nobody wants the furry missile. Huh? The canines. Oh, Nobody oh God, wants no. the dogs no, no, let no, loose. No, 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 you know no. who wants to know who let the dogs out? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody wants to know who let the dogs out because they don't want the dogs let out on them. So anyway, the, the, the gist is, though, that is an excellent piece. And some of the some of the, the accents that we've added here mm-hmm. lumped in on that I think would be outstanding pieces of that. It's high time that these kids at the same time also learn that uh, there's three things that they can do. And they're not teaching them because they're going against a lot of the environment that these kids are coming from, which is a lot of, like, what is it, in some sectors of the country – 70 to 80 percent of single parent homes uh, where the dad's not in the picture and it's just the mother. But if you start to break the cycle, if you can start teaching these kids that, look, there's three things that you do that you have a 97 percent chance of breaking the poverty cycle in this country. All you need to do is stay in school, graduate, don't have kids out of wedlock and get a full time job. Ninety seven percent of you will never end up in the poverty sector of the country. They're not teaching that because it goes against what these kids are living their real lives. They don't teach it because it doesn't stick. You you mentioned at you least three of the three of those four board, things that you just mentioned. Yeah. You mentioned those just three of those four things you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. To anybody that is dare I say 20 mm-hmm. or less now? Right. I don't know that that matters or registers. No, like this is at why all. you're going to kids. This is why you're talking to, to kids like in, in, in no, high school I, and junior high. I, I'm telling you that a 20-year-old right now, uh, you walk up to them and say three or four of those things. Right. They'll either disregard it as it doesn't impact them or I don't care or they'll look at their phone and say, huh, yeah. or something. Right. But I, I'm telling you that the age range you think that that needs to be impacted on is a lot longer than you think. 
Well, and that, that be, is a huge problem. Okay, but it's one of those deals where they need to come in every year and have this particular type of thing. Oh, without question. The, the things that you mentioned should not only be taught, but be a, a piece of institution. Do you remember when you were a kid and, like, <laughs> and like at all, if you were ever to act up, the doom that would befall you, oh, yeah. even though there wasn't any? Because all it meant was going to the principal's office and getting scolded, and then you get maybe a detention or maybe a day of expulsion, uh-huh. and then you're right back in the mix with, like, it never happened. Right. I, I don't think that that fear exists half the time anymore, especially for kids that are in the problem sector of being a problem. If, if you can walk up to your not-daddy mm-hmm. and swear him up and down and nothing happens except maybe a smack across the face, mm-hmm. or you walk up to your mama... And you swear up and down your mama, nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Or worse yet, she cowers. Right. Well, what is it you think that person is going to be emboldened by? And it's going to be absolute abject courage in a space where they should absolutely be fearful. Yeah. And they're just, they're not. It's very much, I would put it akin to providing training for an animal. Mm -hmm. If you train the animal, not surprisingly... Mm -hmm. You're going to get an outcome that you want. Right. If you bring in any animal, cat, dog, bird, doesn't make any difference. Right. And just let it do whatever it wants without any pushback or feedback. Well, not surprisingly, you get wild animal. That's that's why wolves are wolves. Wolves are top of the food chain where wolves live out in the wilderness because they're wolves. Yeah. And they kind of do what they want. And so until there is pushback and a, a chain of things that will and won't happen, you have anarchy. And we don't want that. No, no, we don't, but I, I hmm, I'm missing something. Where... You're talking about fundamental lessons for the youth. Okay, yeah. Between ages? Between the ages of 10 and 15. Okay, I'm saying 10 and 20, because I'm telling you. <laughs> well, 20, they're already out of school. They're already out of school, but are you telling me you've never met a 20-year-old a that you think too is many. acting like a 13-year-old? God, way too many. Okay, well, that's my point. Yeah. Is that the, the faster you and I want for, oh, wait a second, aren't you almost 21 years old? Well, hang on a second, Mike. It's like I said, this is, it, 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 it's creating a paradigm shift in the way of thinking of looking at this. If you're only getting a small percentage of kids, but it's growing, mm-hmm. but if, if, you're, if you, put, you finally put a wedge in, because they're not even teaching this stuff in school no. right now. Because it goes, like no. I said, it goes against the popular narrative. It's much more morally satisfying to wallow in victimhood than it is to do the work to stop pointing fingers do some research and do what it needs to be done to become the victor. Right. If you just start the process, if you just start teaching the kids, these are three things that you can do. They're, you're 90% guaranteed to break that cycle. Yeah, some aren't going to listen because they're just going to... Because it's cooler to follow gangster, you know... Uh, I'm hard. Right. Yeah, I'm uh, hard. Whatever. Exactly. Right. As mm-hmm. opposed to doing the right thing. Right. Because doing the right thing is actually harder than being... Absolutely. A, a criminal, you know. You're just you're starting the, the you're starting the process. I think that this is something that really needs to be encouraged. I don't know if you were ever involved with the program or not, but I was involved with uh, Big Brother. Matter of fact, my uh, mom's last husband was actually my big brother to start with, and it did a lot for me. Like a lot of young boys at that age looking for a father figure, this is the kind of thing that would help start to. Um, break that cycle. I know not all of this, if you're listening to this, you're like, what does this have to do with rebuilding the economic sector in the cities? Because kids are going to be a a big part of that, a part of that community. Now, 
the farther I go, you'll understand exactly why this is. Because the next thing that I want to talk about, and besides encouraging to grow other programs, you also want to reach out to uh, veterans, to churches, to schools, ex-cons, parolees to get involved in the process of talking to these kids and getting them going in the right direction. The other thing that I want to bring in, and this would be in the schools, would be a, a program of uh, installing uh, business incubators into schools. Now, I'm not exactly sure what age to start this at. I'm thinking like about sixth, seventh grade. What do you think, Mike? Understanding the business concepts, you can start, you know, everybody's heard of either the lemonade or the selling cookies or whatever what, the thing is going to be. What year would you start that at? Because I'm not sure. What, third grade, fourth grade? Probably fourth grade is where I'd start introducing things like that. And it would it would be very much like anything else inside of even high school nowadays where there are some kids that are going to get it. Mm-hmm. There are some kids, I wouldn't let them carry the water that's supposed to be inside the lemonade that's going to get sold. No, you're absolutely but, right. Because that's one thing that I've realized right. dealing with people it, it, is that it, some it, just don't have that drive in them. Right. They're happy to go work for somebody right. else. And, and before we get the hate mail that starts talking about discrimination, <laughs> this isn't discrimination. This is discretion. Yes. There's a, there's a much larger difference between those two words. Yes. And in particular, inside of law enforcement circles, I want people to understand the difference between discrimination and discretion. Yes. Because they are they both start with the letter D, and that's about it. And Please, the, illuminate. Well, think about it. Every, every time that someone will scream discrimination, right. is it discrimination or is it discretion? Remember that almost every single time, unless you've done something egregious, caused damage, caused bodily harm, or broken a law outright, Mm -hmm. a police officer, more often than not, can say, don't do it again, and walk away, and nothing happens. Most people don't understand that. And more often than not, it's remember, it's the officer's discretion. It has nothing to do with discrimination. It has everything to do with what the cop feels, knows, and has as a professional in regard to the situation. Right. And the faster you begin piling up things that go against the the fostering of discretion, those are the larger problems you're going to have, and that's why people complain about it. Because of, what do you mean? I'm just saying that I – right, but you're saying whatever it is you're saying as opposed to doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Which is – Sitting reasonably motionless, making sure that you're answering questions when asked, making sure that you provided the documentation, mm-hmm. making sure that you don't jerk around and do jumping jacks inside of the, the, the enclosure of your car, right. making sure that you don't run from the police for no particular reason except that it's Thursday. Those those are all incredibly commonsensical things. But if you look at well, all of the reporting. Right. They, once again, are they teaching this in the schools? No, I, I would guess not. Anyway, we got a little bit off the, the road of discretion. Right. Discretion is looking at and then using values and laws, rules, and general etiquette mm-hmm. to apply to a situation. That is discretion. Yeah. And the faster we learn to use that before we need to get into any other word, mm-hmm. the faster all of these cool things you're talking about are going to happen. Okay. That's why that's why Susie and Johnny, they're going to be the people that lead the team that is the selling lemonade or chocolate chip cookies or, or whatever. eclairs or pizza or whatever it is. Yeah. Because my discretion is going to say, you know what, these people have a handle on what needs to happen when I say it needs to happen. And the ones that don't, it doesn't mean they'll never get there. It means that they're not ready for it right now. Okay. That's all based on discretion. Okay. So back to what I was talking about, putting the, the business incubators in the schools and figuring out approximately what age to do it. I think even before that, you could start doing like what you were talking about, simple business concepts. 
I would love to start teaching success principles at an early age. Remember, we talked about sure. this before. Mm -hmm. Once again, it is changing the mindset of those um, in the community that are going to stay in the community. But when I started thinking about this idea, I was remembering we did a YouTuber, and I was it was a, a young man who was like 14, 15 years old, and this guy had figured out a way. This kid and his team had figured out a way to recycle styrofoam. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I have that same vision. I, I, I have this vision of kids in a community being exposed to all different kinds of ideas and concepts and being able to bring it to... When I was a, when I was a kid uh, back in North Dakota, we used to have, in the jobs office, there was a score. I remember it was an officer or, or just it was like a score desk. Score being senior citizens organized to blah, 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 blah. The whole idea was it was people that had had business experience that were retired, but they were now sharing it for free mm -hmm. with people that were coming into that particular office to help with uh, business ideas. And this goes back to, once again, my idea of, of recycling people as a resource as well. And if you had these these uh, business incubators in these schools, and there was also like a score people that could be involved with it as well. So they're, the mentorship program, the mentoring is starting with the young people coming from uh, a business people and business people that have possibly even grown up in the community still pass it on. This is how you get all of this growing and going in this community. And I haven't heard of anything like score in a long time. And it's too bad because it was really a, a great, simple idea. Not only was it a great, simple idea. Uh, Do you I, remember? Was there oh, anything like that here? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the gist is that, and it still exists. Oh good. Great. Except that it's failing. Why? And it's failing hard. Why? I remember it's now, it's it's over four years ago, but my father had urged me to look for a score representative locally because, oh, wow. one, okay. it would be somebody that has previously owned a business or has more managerial experience that can shed some of the knowledge that you're referring to onto yeah. Yeah. not only me, but my business practices and then loop them in and, 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 again, grow the community from the people that are within the community. Mm -hmm. Looking for a representative inside of the St. Charles area, inside that organization, led me to somebody in Indiana. Okay. Okay. All right. So I called him and it's not that he wasn't helpful and it's not that he wasn't part of the organization, but one, you're too damn far away. Right. What, how, I, how, other than me talking, talking to him via the internet or on the telephone, how is that person going to come and meet with me regularly to yeah, be offer a, me it anything? It has to be a hands-on relationship for right. it to truly be effective. So that was the first one. The second one, because I didn't want to use him, not because he was bad, mm -hmm. he was a nice guy, he even right. said that he might want to start a podcast. I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. Right. Except that you're not going to be able to help me whenever I want because you're too damn far away. Exactly. So I went and looked for another one and got nothing. Nobody responded back to anything. And it's because, ding, 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 the email address that was associated with the local website chapter mm -hmm. did not go anywhere. Okay, that's broken. <laughs> that's a piece of something fundamental that's broken that should not be broken. So the concept for the program still works. It's just Absolutely. it's fallen by the wayside. Oh, yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, too. There are, there are many people inside of the local SCAR programs. Mm -hmm. I had wanted to help. Uh, foster and pioneer a, a series of podcasts for them. Right. What they were looking at first was helping people understand more about their LinkedIn presence and, you know, working inside of social media circles. Okay. And that's fine. But that's not what I wanted to provide them. What I wanted to provide them was the structure, the engagement, the recording studio, and the rest of the pieces process for a viable podcast effort. Uh -huh. That was my original intention. Okay, well, we never did that. But they were incredibly eager in looking in looking at LinkedIn training. Right. And so... It's kind of a double fail for me. Not only was the first one 
the guy that can't help me because he's too far away. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. The second one was no answer, and then the third little hat on the top of the on the on the top of the Sunday was yes, thank you for your offering your podcast expertise. Pat, pat, pat on the head. Would you mind teaching us about LinkedIn? Okay, well, no, that's right. Uh, none of those three experiences are what I want from a local score office. What I would love is. Mike, can you and I get together for a coffee? Sure, sounds great. How about exactly. Thursday? Exactly. Great. We're sitting across a table from each other, and I begin telling you what my business plan and model is. And you go, wow, that's very interesting. You're taking some notes. Mm-hmm. And then I finish out my business model, and you go, okay. So what I understand is, and then you dialogue back what I just told you to make sure that you've got to check for understanding. Awesome. So now that we're both in the even playing field, the person that's got the incredible experience of being whatever the hell they are because we've met. Right. They now can shower me with their perspective on what they think is good, what they may think needs some work, and how it can grow. That, to me, sounds like a great afternoon. And I've never had it from a score office. I think but I agree. I, 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 the, the concept of score office and I their did, program I, I did not know when awesome. the program was still in existence, too. I didn't realize it was so dilapidated. So I think <laughs> that might even be a subject to act, actually for another show where we yeah. talk about how to fix the damn thing. Because it's a great idea. Oh, yeah. Mentoring is something that is just disappearing in our society. Yes. And that is a perfect example of what would need to be applied. Guys, we'll be right back. It's time to pay the bills. We'll be back with more Wade Sense right after these messages. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, Those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Take the usual podcast hosts, and you'll stay in expensive wonderland. Take the Podcast Matrix hosting, and experience a completely different world of podcast hosting. What is the podcastmatrix.com? Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The one question every podcaster needs to ask themselves is, why am I still editing my own podcast? We all know that editing your own podcast is the worst part of the podcast experience. Get the editing off your plate and reclaim more time to make more content with the Editor Core. 
Affordable, talented, experienced podcast editors are ready to take your podcast literally to the next level to make it soar. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. And we are back. I would say the highlight or one of the highlights of the show, and that is our YouTube recession. And I've got to say, my first pick, honestly, wasn't off uh, YouTube. It was off of uh, Instagram, which I'm just finding more and more entertaining and informative. This was a particular um, uh, story coming from Pat Sajak. Remember Pat Sajak? I do remember Pat Sajak. Okay. Uh, Is this off one of the many memes that you found on Facebook with Pat Sajak? Well, it was supposedly something that he actually said. It was in quotation marks. Okay. Pat uh, had this idea for the uh, Grammys, and he said well, what they should do is they should have it in two nights. The first night will be all of the awards, and then if you want, the second night could be the political rallies. And I just I thought, that's brilliant, because it would really be a put-up-or-shut-up moment. It's like, okay, fine, you were there for the awards. If you really want to do all the politicking, are you going to come back for the second night when nobody really cares and no one's watching? So I thought that was kind of a, kind of a smart idea. I think it's a little bit simpler than how you're putting it. The answer is nobody would be there for the second night, and so there wouldn't be any political But what if they actually had to announce it that way? So that, okay, the first night is going to be the awards, and then the second night we're going to let you know exactly how we feel about things in the nation. Well, I think what would happen is that the first night would be used as the political platform that it is now. Well, if they did, then there would be issues with it. Anyway, like what? It's just an idea. I don't know. I just, what would, I, I be, like the, what would be the what would be the law? What happens if you break okay, the there's law? There's no law. You know what it is? It's just a gentleman's word. Gentleman's word. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I know. Another dying principle in our society. (laughs) The other one I had was uh, if dogs had soundtracks. And this comes from uh, Super News Crush. It's just nothing more than about, oh, five minutes of various dogs doing cute things with songs in the background. It's strictly laughing material, but you will definitely laugh because these are some cute dogs doing some really goofy things to some strange music. And I thought I would share that. Mike, you got one? I have a couple. The first one, uh, do you know who Doug DeMuro is? Doug DeMuro. Why do you always throw out names I don't know? No, not ringing a bell. Okay, well, I've mentioned Doug DeMuro before, so we'll just chalk you up on the dementia slash Alzheimer's list. Something early, yeah. Okay, so uh, Doug DeMuro is a guy that has, he now has a couple of channels on YouTube. And typically what he'll do is he'll go and look at cars. Very often they're either exotic or out of the ordinary or something you will never go and sit in and drive. Uh-huh. And he'll do this wonderful little expose about all the pieces, parts, the picadillos, the quirks and features of the insert name of car. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and drives it, and then he gives it a Doug score. That's yeah. essentially his series of segments on YouTube. Recently, one of his features that we'll link to inside the show notes for this episode took us to the land of Koenigsegg. Are you familiar with this? Oh, Yes. Okay. Yes. The Koenigsegg series of, dare I call them, automobiles. They're 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 they're, they're UFOs. They're land rocket ships. They are. They are. And, and it's gorgeous. Automobiles. It, it is beyond amazing. Yes. It is. It's something that we'll link to, and I just want you to take it in because, frankly, none of us are ever going to sit in one. Uh, I'm never going to own one because I don't know what I would do with 1,400 horsepower. <laughs> Except get dead or in jail really, really fast. I'm going to go get dead. What I love, though, is that his entire segment of stuff, whether it's something as exotic as the Koenigsegg or 
a reasonably bland automobile from the 80s, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any difference. There's always something interesting that you'll learn both about the cars, but then also about Doug's personality inside of the reviews. I got a feeling and this it's, is something I'd binge watch. Absolutely. There's no way you're going to watch one episode. You will sit there and potato chip the whole thing. Yep. It's crazy. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's fantastic. We'll link to it in the show notes. My second one is something called Odin Makes. Are you familiar with Odin Makes? I know who Odin is, but I don't know who Odin Makes. Okay, Odin Makes is a series of DIY costuming things. So the sample that we're going to link to is where this guy named Odin, mm-hmm. he uses a craft foam and paint and plastic and all this other stuff to make the helmet that is on Thanos inside of the most recent Avengers oh, film. okay. And it's exquisite. You look at it and you go, I don't believe that that's just foam and plastic and 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 sanding and a little bit of grit. And it movie is. Magic. Movie magic. It, it's absolutely magic. Well, and it's not movie magic. It's this dude in a workshop making stuff out of craft foam. It's mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the stuff looks good. You couldn't use it in a movie. If you put it on, if you put it on Thanos's head inside of the movie, it would look stupid. Right. But you put it on top of Odin's head or you're my head and mm-hmm. with a costume and it looks like something that is a piece of a costume. It's very, very well done. Oh, okay. Anyway, we're going to link to that inside the show notes also, mostly because next year is the second part of that huge Infinity War film and the most recent trailer was released so I thought people might have a, an interest in that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially if you're into making costumes at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. Guys, we'd love to know anything interesting or weird or interesting and weird that you've come across on uh, YouTubery. Please get all of us at WaitSense.com and uh, let us know. Dummy Codes, I know, is Mike's favorite segment. In oh, Lord, yes. Yes, without question. <laughs> and I swear, at some point next year, Mike and I are going to put together a show. Uh, <laughs> I-, I hope our audience enjoys it as much as we do. <laughs> It'll just be dummy codes from end to end. And and I swear, when I was doing dummy codes for this show, I, I had to stop at uh, two because I could have just gone on and on and on, especially at this time of year, because I know that, that there are those that will say that there's no war on Christmas. But when you start reading the most ludicrous stories, the most ridiculous things to be offended over, and you're seeing it time and time again at this time of year... It's like, yeah, I'm going to call BS on that, and that there definitely is. This particular story comes out of the heartland of all places. I just, I, I don't, I've grown up in the Midwest, and I know Mike's more or less grown up in the Midwest, and it's, it's, it's hard to picture this kind of acceptable insanity taking place in this little, more or less normal, grounded corner of the world. But this did. It happened in uh, Nebraska. A principal attempted to ban candy canes because... He said that the J reminded him of Jesus. A duh. Thank God the man was placed on leave. This is the most ludicrous thing. I, I wish that I could have been there when this, this insipid twit came forward with, with this charge and just looked at him and said, just, just go over there and just keep hitting your head against the wall until you pass out. This is ridiculous. Yeah, this is kind of this is kind of one of those go practice falling down moments because yes. I don't understand. Yes, yes. Uh, Stand you, behind the door and let it hit you until you, you know, pass if, out. If he was in Australia, what would he have thought this now upside down Jay looks like? <laughs> I I don't I just I don't get it. I don't I don't get it. And that there is an administrator that can foster along a command like that inside of something like a school is just 
Isn't it? It's a breath of fresh air that they actually place this idiot on leave. But I want to see the comeback speech. What you know? Is there an apology at least? Something? And I don't. It's 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 not even about apology. Like I'm not asking him to apologize for associating a candy cane in regard to a Jesus whistle or whatever the whatever his thought was. (laughs) Doesn't make any difference. I I don't care about that part. I just want him to apologize to the parents, but more importantly, the student body. That he was an idiot. Yeah. I'm sorry I was an idiot. I will not do it against something. Guess what's not coming. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. is, that is definitely uh, that, not that, That's terrible because, again, you have to – somewhere there has to be a consequence for being an idiot in front of an entire student body, a community, and really the world. Yeah. And I don't I, – I, not only do I not see it happening, I probably see a lawsuit because he was removed – inappropriately from his position to insert problem. If he makes any money off of this, I'm going to be just furious. Y- you say that, but one of my dummy codes will lean towards that. My, my, you are on. Yeah, my, my first dummy code refers to a video that somebody sent to me recently. And I know that the only reason that I watched it was because of the provenance, the, the, the thumbs up that I got essentially from the person that I was talking to and how not crazy the guy is. Okay. Because he's not. I, he he definitively leans conservatively. He's definitely got some out there gestation. Mm-hmm. But he is not crazy. And so I, I clicked on the video and oh, lo and behold, all of the challenger all of the space shuttle challenger astronauts are actually alive. Duh! Yep. I uh <laughs> as an absolute okay. human space flight nut. The only thing nuttier than me being a space flight nut is this. Because you remember watching the video. I remember watching well, it. It has nothing to do with watching the video because it gets it gets even larger that okay. NASA was an organization that one never went to the moon. Two, the money was used to do nefarious stuff. Three, all the people that have quote died inside of the space industry, none of them are really dead except for the people that would be dead because they're old as opposed to some sort of crash. Or accident or whatever or however they died inside of the space program. And I think that's not only is it disingenuous of the people that have died inside the space program, it is a piece of fallacy that accidentally gets sprinkled back into cultural lexicon inside of everybody's mind. Mm-hmm. And it needs to not be there. Same no. thing with the, the people saying we never went to the moon. I hate to break it to everybody. We went to the moon. We were on the moon. We've been in space. We've done all of those things because they are achievements that are provable. Mm -hmm. There are mirrors. There are places you can look on the moon to know that we have actually been there. Right. And they're not all fake photographs that you get pictures from something out of my own camera. Anyway, that that's the first issuance of a dummy code across the the video that I went to has got four or five million people uh-huh. that have looked at it, and so I hereby issue dummy codes to all of them, including me. <laughs> it, it's insanity, and you know what? We are going to link to it. I thought maybe we wouldn't, but we will. Okay, all right, all right. So that's uh, that's my first one. Go go ahead. Okay, the other one that I've got, the last one they have, because like I said, I forced myself to stop. Was something that is going on. <laughs> Remember the, the the story that I told you about in California, how they have the jungle primary, how basically it's like... The jungle the, primary? Who jungle, named this? They did out there. Uh, how I they came up with the concept, I don't know. <laughs> wow. To, to, to return, jungle primary was the whole idea was that at the end of the process, the two biggest vote getters, so not just Republican, not just Democrat, if the two biggest are Democrat, which is what invariably happens in California, those are the only two people running. 
So there's it's, it's just dumb and dumber, or we're spending more, or we're spending more than them. There, 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 there is no semblance of any type of rationality in the process. What they're doing now in California that they made law, and I believe it was Governor Brown, surprise, surprise, that made this law, was something called ballot harvesting. Mike, do you know what ballot harvesting is? No, but it sounds incredibly fulfilling. <sighs> Try and picture this. Ballot harvesting means that you can, it used to be that you had to at least be a family member to do this. But now, no, you can just go to people's homes and say that you're there to pick up their ballot to bring it to the uh, voting booth. And they're being very, very particular about who it is that they're even talking to. This uh, one story that I read, where I read about the ballot harvesting was there was a home where the mother and father were conservative, but they also had an 18-year-old daughter. A ballot harvester came back to this home four times until they finally got a chance to talk to the 18-year-old daughter. They didn't even, they, they, they never even asked for the ballot from, from the parents. Now, that was because there were a number of instances, there were a number of races in California where there was a clear lead to begin with on the, uh, the, the Republican side. And over time, these ballots were coming in and the leads just shrank. And it was due almost entirely to ballot harvesting. Tell me, please, how do you not end up have this process going way far crooked? Obviously, election fixing. A duh. Dummy codes to all of the, the uh, California government that allows this insanity to actually be. Agreed. <laughs> Nothing more to add to that? Well, I do. Actually, the, one of the most important parts of voting is proving who you are. I agree. And anything that not only takes the in-person voting out of the process of voting, but then also removes the need to prove who you are. I just, I don't understand. We have to put an ID for everything. Is an instantaneous rub for me. Yeah. And I think should also be an issuance of a dummy code today. That's, yes. that, that's dumb. It, it it's dumb. It waters down the actual, again, the proof of what is and what isn't, and it also allows you to escape whatever consequences might await because of your decision. Exactly. And, you know, the, I'm not asking that people get flogged because they want to vote conservatively. I'm asking that people consider the decision they made when they are eventually faced with the consequences of what their vote has wrought. Yeah. The best sample of that I can think of anywhere right now is the entire state of Illinois. <laughs> where, get this, I dude, did not vote for Prisker. I'm telling you that right now. Dude, 48% <laughs> of races inside of the most recent race series inside uh, of Illinois, uh, unopposed. Gee, really? No. And so guess what? Guess what Illinois deserves and gets for the next at least, what, three years? That's why we call it the People's Republic of Illinois. That is insanity. That yes, is insanity is. That, that that larger percentile of people runs unopposed, giant red flag, everybody gets a dummy code. Everybody in the state of Illinois, including you, gets a dummy code because that I is allowed throw to Throw my exist. dummy code off. I did my best. I did not vote <laughs> for that idiot. You, you take that dummy code the, back, the, sir. The second dummy code is yes, to all of the people that have either chosen or think that it is worthless to try because let's say even half of that, if you could get it down to, to 23%. Uh, okay. Well, that's 23% versus 47%. You're trying you mean running for office, right? Okay. You have, somebody has to try and make an option on the ballot. Otherwise there won't be any options other than nothing's going to change. So I try. Mm -hmm. And that's where Illinois squarely is right now. And I'm telling you, dude, 
the, the it's not the exodus that will kill Chicago. It's that there will be no decisions because there are no options. I should run. If, it, or, or, if Alexander Ocasio-Cortez can get in, I could outshine that dummy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, the, there's, there's several hundred <laughs> million dummy codes that I've just issued double time over to several hundred thousand people. Right. All right, so there's that. My, okay. last, my last dummy code today comes from a movie. Okay. It has to go to the director because bottom line is that the director is in charge and responsible for everything that gets on to screen, hence why the best director traditionally gets the best film. Yeah. Now, Jackie, for those that don't know, and I didn't know, this is a movie that came out two years ago, and I didn't know anything about it. Jackie. Jackie, right. Yeah. And anybody that knows anything about American history, you think, hmm, Jackie. What do you think when I say Jackie? I'm immediately thinking of uh, Jackie, um, Jackie Gleason. Jackie Gleason. That's exactly what it's about. Oh, okay. It's not. What? It's not about Jackie Gleason. Uh, it's about a great movie. It's about Jacqueline Kennedy. Oh, the other Jackie. Okay. That Jackie. Okay. Not Jackie Robinson. Okay. Not Jackie Gleason. Jackie. All right. So anyway, that movie uh, stars Natalie Portman, okay. whom I love as an actress. She's got all kinds of chops. Yep. Sometimes the chops get put into movies that don't really fit, but she makes a paycheck and everybody smiles and gawks. Right. So anyway, uh, she's very good inside of the movie. Okay. All of the acting is tremendous inside of the movie. Mm-hmm. All of the remake of the splash damage, the shooting, the, using Dealey Plaza, all of it is absolutely exquisite. Okay. What I have to issue the dummy code for, and it's because I'm so centric to it, mm. is the soundtrack. Really? Tell me, what, they it, did not go with the music of the time? Absolutely not. And it's, what? It's so strange. It, it Imagine the soundtrack of like an I'm gonna say the word X Files, but it's not that either. Of of uh, of Eurocentric? like, no, it's it's just like of something. Imagine a curious soundtrack. Okay. Okay, that's what it is. So the music just does. It not, doesn't because it, they don't pick the music from the time. Well, it's not even picking music from the time. It's just music that doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. I, I listen to the entire thing, and every single time this one track comes up, I'm like, my God, I've got to issue yet another dummy code here. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's it's the perfect sample of many of the things we talk about inside of our perspective reviews, where there are so many options and things that can instantly leach you out of a film or a television series or streaming content. Yeah. And one of the biggest ones that many people completely forget about is the soundtrack and the music used inside of it. It's not about using music that is the songs of that era. That's not what it's about. It's about the the, the but tenor that make of it the more soundtrack. Powerful, though. Yeah, but I'm not looking for powerful. What I'm looking for is the the story that they want to portray about Jackie during this entire thing, which is excellent, by the way. Again, the movie uh-huh. is excellent. The soundtrack that's used, and it's not so much the soundtrack, it's the score. The score of the film is terrible mm-hmm. because it does not, it doesn't process, it doesn't provide you with flow onto the next piece. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an absolute hiccup and speed bump inside the process. I do encourage all of you to go and watch Pablo Lorraine's Jackie, starring Natalie Portman. But please pay attention to the soundtrack and tell me what you think. Over at our website, over at WadeSense.com, I'm super curious to see what you think. Yeah, I'm, I, know right, I know right now that if I go and watch it, I'll, I'll be thinking of the soundtrack and it, it, it will ruin it for me. Wisdom of the Ages is something that I came up with where I just wanted 
pearls of wisdom from the past to be flung forward to the future and see if they still hold as true for modern man. And for the most part, as far back as Mike and I have gone, it, it holds true. People don't change. You know, technology and circumstances do, but people don't. This is mine for Wisdom of the Ages. Better is the enemy of good. And this is by Voltaire, who was uh, 1694 to 1778. He was a historian, a writer, and a philosopher. And personally, I find that when I see philosophers backed up with history, it just seems to give more credence to what it is that they say. But I don't, I don't see this changing from that time. Better really is the enemy of good. If you're settling for good enough, you think, I could do better, it's killing good. Mike? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go back to Jackie Kennedy again Okay. And, and focus on a quote that I found. The most important part of what I remember of a legacy of Jackie Kennedy is not that she was the wife of a murdered president. Okay. It was the span of life that she lived and the legacy that she left, which is incredibly robust. The time afterwards? All of it. Okay. Uh, her, really, her entire life, because okay. obviously being the wife of a president, regardless of whether the president was murdered or not, is mm-hmm. something extraordinary. Yeah. Regardless of your political lean, one of the things you can look at is all of the president's wives and, and kind of go, there was at least something noteworthy inside of all their lives, regardless of what it was, regardless of your political bend. There's always something interesting that happens inside of their lives. What I, what I took from her in one of her quotes is, if you bungle raising your children, I don't think whatever else you do matters very much. And what I like is that it's incredibly simply stated. Mm-hmm. There is no power inside the comment, and, except for what you take from it, rather right. than her saying something that's powerful, because it's not. I think, it's, I think you're immediately reflecting when you hear that statement. Absolutely, without question. And it's one of the things that I really appreciated about Natalie Portman's portrayal inside of Jackie was mm-hmm. she's a doppelganger inside of the, the role. It's, oh, it's wonderful. But there are also areas inside of that that you don't know were or weren't portrayed. And so that that's a that's a wonderful little diorama to then have to go and witness. That's why that movie is so good, mm-hmm. and also why I thought that the music just uh, into the embankment. It was terrible. Yeah. Anyway, the, this quote from from Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis is just a wonderful one, no, and it allows you to reflect not only on your life but on the lives of your children, but more importantly on the lives that your children will have. Yeah, yeah. I've said that for the longest time. The most important job I was ever going to have was turning out decent human beings and I find it funny I was just thinking about this earlier that uh, with kids it's like if you don't have kids you need to think first thing you need to understand about children is as far as your perspective goes is that it's a game of diminishing expectations because in the beginning you want you expect the absolute best for your child and by the time they're hitting high school it's like God, please just stay off drugs. Don't get pregnant. Don't impregnate anybody, and pay, be able to pay your own bills. It's just you want you just want at this point just survive and don't procreate until you're ready. <laughs> so yeah, then no, that is really a great quote, guys. Uh, I don't know about you. Uh, I don't know if you even attempt this, but this is the end of the year, and God knows every year I, I do attempt this, and so. Uh, Mike, do you have any resolutions for 2019? No. None at all. God, it must be nice. It's so perfect. Can I follow you around? I'm not perfect. I just, <laughs> I've just i already set so many expectations for myself. What else am I supposed to do? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The, the biggest one that I have, I'm, I know that I'll have a list, but the, the biggest one, the one that I, I intend on concentrating on. Does it have to do with a skeleton and a 
certain podcast program that you have? Yeah, yeah, that as well. And that actually, that is a part <laughs> of it. No, actually, that is a part of it because my biggest resolution for 2019 is to become much, much better at time management. I will get a planner. I will use it daily, even if I'm just looking at it and go, nothing happened, and then go to the next page. I'm going to do this because I know my biggest downfall in my life is time management and how poor I am at it. So, guys, if you have uh, anything that you want to do for 2019, pass it on to WadeSense.com. I might, might not care, but I might get some kind of inspiration. Oh, just because I don't have any to share doesn't mean I don't care. Okay. That rhymes really well, though. Yes, yes. We're... Oh, thank Golf you. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you. Folks, as always, we have had an absolute blast recording this. I hope you've had as much fun listening. Uh, before we go, I have one final thought. You can either make excuses or you can have results, but you cannot have both. My name is Wade B. Olson, and this has been Wade Sense. And then he goes and drives it, and then he gives it a Doug score. That's essentially his series of segments on YouTube. I wonder if he drove the Wienermobile. I doubt it. I have a picture, actually, that showed up on Facebook. Did you drive the Wienermobile? I took a picture outside of it. I did not drive it. Oh, okay. That's that's my little weird car moment. Thank you for Wienermobiling my entire segment. That's great. Anyway, that's right. <laughs>